All right. Good morning. So we're discussing the different opinions of the Tzulun of Rashi and Rabbi Natam. And like we discussed last week, um, here you have Rashi who says it goes, everything goes in the order of the way it is written in the Torah. So one, two, three, four. Rabbi Natam has the opinion that it goes one, two, and then four, three. There's two ways in the Paschim. There's two simonim given to two... Um, Things to to, uh, to things to help remember the order of Rabbeinu Tam. Number one is that the two of the parshas have a shin in them. The first parsha is Kaddish, which ends with the shin, and the third parsha is Shema, which starts with the shin. And those two are the ones that are found on the exterior, adjacent to the shins that are on the bulging out of the side of the tefillin. And that's one, but and another one, which is perhaps more common, is habayos ba'emtza. Two of the four paragraphs of the tefillin start with the words v'hoya, v'hoya kiyuviyacha, and v'hoya im shomaya, from uh, from shomaya parshas boy and parshas ekev. And um, those two v'hoya and v'hoya, according to Rabbi Ratam, are ba'emtza in the middle, versus according to, Ra- to Rashi, where the two v'hoyas are number two and number four. Now, as we discussed last week, these opinions of the tefillin are not unique to Rashi and Rabbi Natam. Um, they are co- commonly known as Rashi and Rabbi Natam, but they are not unique to them. Um, and uh, just to show some of the major uh, players, if you will, on either side of it, we have, um, uh, in accordance with Rashi, we have also the Rambam, we have the Rashba, Rabbi Yoyna, the Ramban, the Sefer Achinuch, and uh, many others, but those are perhaps the most uh, com- prominent uh, Rishonim who go with that side. Um, and then you have on the other side, together with Rabbeinu Tam, you have Rabbeinu Hananel, a very prominent um, person called Varov Divri Kabbalah. It says everything that he says is has a super degree of um, authority. Rabsadi um, Goin, even from before the Rishonim, we discussed last week, the Goinim were those who... Uh, Ahead of the yeshivas in Bavel, uh, immediately after the closing of the Gemara, so perhaps even a few hundred years before uh, Rabbi Natam, Reb Shiragain, another one of the Gainim, the Yereim, Rabbi Peretz, etc. Okay, so that you have just a list of Rishonim on both sides of the table. Um, now, One of the things that we find with regards to Rabbi Thomas Tefillin specifically is that even though the halacha follows Rashi, and therefore that's the, the main Tefillin, that's the one we make a bracha on, etc. Rabbi Natam isn't just another opinion. Just to illustrate this point, the Vilna Goin is said to have only worn Rashi Tefillin. And the reason, the reason being what, he, what, what, what is explained, what he attributed to him is, that he said that if I were to, um, if I were to want to fulfill all the opinions of wearing tefillin, I would have to wear 64 pairs of tefillin. And he made the cheshman that there's 64 different opinions, because first of all, there's the opinions of Rashi of Rabbeinu Tam in the order. There's also the opinion of the Ravid, which we discussed last week, we'll review it again soon. Perhaps also the Shemosh Rabba, like we'll see. Then there's also different opinions as to do you, place the parashias in the tefillin vertically, which is the way we do it, or horizontally. Then there's another machlok as to which side of the parchment do you write it on? Do you write it on the front side or the back side of the parchment? So, I mean, I don't, I don't know the whole cheshman, but basically the Vilna Goy made the cheshman was that if you want to do all the opinions, you're going to be wearing 64 pairs of tefillin a day. Um, and so he said, I'm only going to put in Rashi. However, the, the, the big caveat to the Vilna Goy is uh, to the Vilna Gaon's approach is that the Vilna Gaon was makbit to wear its fill in the entire day. The original, the, the, the original and quote ideal way of filling the mitzvah is to put on the tefillin every day, to, sorry, to wear the tefillin the whole day. So um, the Vilna Gaon was careful to wear the tefillin the whole day. So if he were going to wear two, even, even if you get it 64, even if you're going to wear the two tefillin, so for that amount of time that he was wearing a Vilna Tam's tefillin, um, he would be missing the opportunity of wearing Rashi tefillin, which he was, which is the primary one, which he did the whole day. 
So that was his cheshbon. It's interesting that the the the, the was a big mekubel, and we'll see later that alpi kabbalah. It is important to wear both pairs of tzlan, but yet that was the Vilna Gaon's approach. Um, yeah. um, now, so nevertheless, despite there being numerous different opinions, and you know, like in m- many areas of halacha, we have different opinions, and then we pass in like one opinion, and that's it. That remains the halacha. Um, we don't do a hundred different opinions of when, when, when uh, you know, th- th- there's different opinions of mezuzah. Nobody has seven mezuzahs on their doorpost. We have different types of tzitzis, and with the exception of maybe one, Chaim uh, Pinchas Schreinberg was famous for this, but the the um, most people wear one pair of tzitzis. You know, you choose your minhag, you choose your opinion, you have your place that you follow, and that's it. Whereas when it comes to Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam, um, we see already very early on that these um, th- that it's not just two random opinions. Actually, there's a lot more to it. So let me show you some of the sources. So the first source I'm going to show you is the Migdal Oiz. Now, what's interesting, you know what, let's actually do this one first. Shalas Uchubis Minashamayim. We mentioned this last week. We mentioned him a few times in the past. He was one of the Baliatosos who asked questions from heaven in a dream. And he uh, often received answers, and they are recorded in the response called Shalas Uchubis Minashamayim, response from heaven. And in the Simon Gimel of this Sefer, he says um, there are different customs, different opinions as to how to put on tzvillin. And the ones who are of opinion A, you know, he doesn't, I don't think he calls them Rashi and Beidotam. He says Kisidron uh, or Havayis uh, Bamza, which, uh, right? But he's referring to those two opinions, which we know as Rashi and Beidotam. And who's the opinion, what's, who's the halacha like? And Heishivu, they answered him, both of them are the words of the living God, and as is there, there is a machlekus down here, so too is there a machlekus lamayla. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Hashem says that Havai is be'emtza, so Hashem is in, agreeing, in accordance with Rabbeinu Tam. V'chol pamal yeshomayla, but the uh, supernal yeshiva, I think the etymology of the word pamalia is actually the same as the English word family. Um, but anyway, the, 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 the yeshiva shalmayla, they hold Havayas Kasidron. That's like the opinion of Rashi. Now, this notion of there being a machlokes between Hashem and the Yeshiva Shomayla, whatever it means, is not something that was invented over here. Um, already the Gemara talks about a machlokes, concerning Tsaras, which we just uh, concluded learning in the three parakadei cycle of Rambam, where there is a certain scenario where the the, the, the white stain, or if you will, of the terrace um, appeared on the person's body before the white hairs. And if it's a suffix, Hashem says it's okay. And the Yeshiva Shalmailam, there it says Masif Tadurakiya. Here it says Pamali Shalmailam, there it says Masif Tadurakiya, say that it is Tommy. Um, so this is um, a, a very often quoted important source for the importance of wearing a Benatamist fill-in or for the value of Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin, even though the halacha is, uh, is in accordance with Rashi. Um, there's also in a tshuva, in a response from the Radvaz, who he said he was asked as follows. Um, somebody asked me, um, he has Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin and he wants to change them into being Rashi tefillin. Is there any uh, problem with doing so? You know, we discussed in the last Sunday, we spoke about uh, that you're not allowed to take the strap of the head to fill in and change them to the hands fill in because there is a greater degree of sanctity in the head fill in. So here somebody was asking Rabbi Natam would um, certain would have, you know, that's not the halacha, Rashi is the halacha. So is there any problem with taking my uh, Rashi fill in and, sorry, my Rabbi Natam fill in and changing them into the Rashi fill in? It might be a good idea here to point out the the the, the of the tefillin must be written like Rabbi Rabin described they must be written in order so you have to write them in the order that they appear in the Torah so even according to Rabbi Notam where the placement into the head tefillin is one two four three when you write them you write them one two three four um, and this is relevant when you're writing the hand tefillin the head tefillin are four separate scrolls so you write one two three four and then you put them you place them one two four three. But the hand filling, which is one long scroll, so the way you write the Tam's filling is you write one, two, then you leave a blank space for four, you, then you write three, and then you go back to write four, right? If, you would, if the sofa would write the Tam's filling on the hand filling as they appear, one, two, four, three, they would not be kosher filling. 
Anyway, so somebody asked Rabbi, um, the Radvaz, may he take the tefillin of Rabbi Natam and change them, or perhaps even upgrade them, if you will, to Rashi tefillin? Or um, is this consider? It doesn't say if he's talking only about the boxes, or perhaps even the scroll and the head scrolls themselves, which you could in theory change around. Um, and um, so the, the 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 person who was communicating with their advice suggested that it should be forbidden because if you're you're not allowed to take something from tefillin and downgrade them to not be tefillin. So according to Rabbeinu Tam, if I take the Rabbeinu Tam and make, and according to Rashi, it's an upgrade, but according to Rabbeinu Tam, it's a downgrade. So that would be disrespectful to Rabbeinu, according to Rabbeinu Tam, that would be disrespectful to the tefillin to change them from Rabbeinu Tam to Rashi. So Radva says that I answered him that it's okay, that because the primary halacha follows Rashi, so then it's okay. However, he says that night I was shown in a dream that I um, did not paskin correctly, and I changed my mind. And I realized that indeed to change Tfilin from Abinatam to Rashi would be um, a disrespectful to all the great um, Goenim who um, were on the side of Abinatam. And therefore, I say that it's forbidden to do so. Um, it's forbidden to do so. Another very important source into the importance of Abinatam is the Migdalois. The Migdalois is perhaps much more of a mainstream safer than Shalos Susus Nashamayim, than a responsible heaven, the Migdalois. Um, here it's Reb Shemtev ben Avraham Goyen from the 13th century and uh, in Spain. And the Migdal Oiz is one of the classic commentaries under the Rambam. In many editions of the Rambam, it's printed on the page on the bottom. It's uh, not some obscure safer about response uh, in dreams. And in his discussion of uh, the, 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 the order of the Parshish on with the Rambam, like we said before, the Rambam holds like Rashi. So he discusses it over there. And he says like this, I say that the Rambam um, uh, describes the order of the Tefillin as he receives from his teachers, um, the Ritzbim Gez and the Rif and, and, and the, the Rimagash, Rashi, etc. Um, but the truth is also that Rabbeinu Tam and others who who accord with the opinion of Rabbeinu Haigain, which we'll see soon, that's a discussion into its own right. And he says, says the Migdalois, that it's such a great machloikus that already the Bali HaToysus, this is not some minhag that was developed now, that already the Bali HaToysus, um, the, 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 the colleagues of Rabbeinu Tam, agreed that it is necessary to fulfill both opinions. Because there's room in the head and the arm to put on Two tefillin simultaneously. So the Migdalois is going with the opinion, which till today some Sephardim do, that they wear not Rabbi Tam after the evening, but they wear Rashi Rabbi Tam simultaneously with very small tefillin. And then he adds, We received um, uniquely or personally that from heaven they have demonstrated uh, and they have said that just like there is this um, ongoing machlekes down here in this world, so too is there a machlekes in heaven. And many others for him, which were not able to be published, um, have already been, he doesn't say why, if this is some spiritual thing or, uh, you know, uh, or just whatever obstacles there were. And he says, um, listen, and this is a very important line, he says, um, we have already found from the Kadmonim from earlier generations that they found by the grave of Yechezkel Hanavi in the earliest known archaeological diggings, in the grave of Yechezkel Hanavi they found tefillin um, that were hidden and uh, there and they checked them and found them to be in this accordance with the order of the Rambam which is the accordance of the order of Rashi. Now, it's interesting soon we'll see about different other archaeological findings, but um, it's brought down somewhere that uh, yeah uh, they bring from Rabbi Yosef Shol Natanson. Rabbi Yosef Shol Natanson was the Rav of Lemberg, and he was not a Chassid, um, but he was a very prominent Pesach in his time, and he has some tradition that Rashi Tfilin are appropriate in Chutz Laaretz, and Rabbi Tam Tfilin are appropriate in Eretz Yisrael, which, and, he, and uh, I, I don't know if he himself says or others say, that that would explain why they found Rashi Tfilin by the grave of Yechaz Kulanovi, because Yechaz Kulanovi was primarily in uh, in, in Bavel, in, in the diaspora.
Okay, now, one of the very um, interesting things about this whole Machlokas is that, um, that Rav Haigoyen, Rav Haigoyen, his opinion is going to be very important because he is a much earlier author, um, authority than the, Rash, the Rambam, Rabbi Natam, than anyone who was one of the Go'inim, so he was much closer to the, in the, to the time of the Talmud. So what did Rav Haigoyen himself hold? Now, <laughs> there are, everybody, everybody seems to pull the Rav Haigoyen in their direction. So here we see that the Migdaloys attributed Rav Haigoyen to be in accordance with Rav Natam. Let's see. So there was a place called, um, let's get this out of the way. Okay, so Rav Haigoyen served as the Goyen of the Talmudic Academy in Pompadisa during the early 11th century. He was born in, nine, in the year 939 and died in the year, this thing to see, 1038, okay? Now, um, so this was a, there was a place in the south of France. One second, I'm going to get a slideshow to work here. Are people burying, wearing tefillin? No, 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 they weren't, no, not at all. They found tefillin that are no longer fit for use are put in Geniza, are put in Seamus. What do you do with Seamus? You bury it. So it was buried near the, the I, I don't know for sure that it means that those were the tefillin that belonged to Yechezko Hanavi. But perhaps it does mean that it was from his time period. Um, anyway, okay, so here you have the map. Um, Lunel, Chachme Lunel, also sometimes called Chachme Provinza, was an area in the south of France which was home to many of the great sages of the 12th and 13th century. Now, there is a correspondence between the Chachme Lunel and, um, uh, and, the, and the Rambam. Um, they used uh, these type of by airmail envelopes. <laughs> and uh, <coughs> for the sake of full disclosure, I'll say that amongst contemporary historians, there is some, <coughs> sorry, <coughs> there is some discussion as to whether or not um, um, the, the, these uh, correspondences are um, some some contemporary historians claim that they're, they're a forgery, that they're not true. However, even amongst contemporary historians, there are many who um, who are of the strong opinion that they are true. And certainly the early Paschim, even in the generation immediately following the Rambam, accepted these to be legitimate letters of the Rambam and of the Chachmei Lunil. So in the Chachmei Lunil, wrote to the the, 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 the the sages from France that wrote to the Rambam after the Rambam Sefer was published, where the Rambam Paskins are the order of the Tzvillin is like Rashi, one, two, three, four. So they wrote a letter to the Rambam and they wrote, the you're in Rabbeinu, teach us our master, this that you have written <coughs> in the third chapter um, that you put in the Tzvillin in that order, um, you know, like of Rashi, they says us, we, your students, have received from our teachers that they received from the Goinim. They received from Rabbeinu Hai Goin himself, the Ba'inan Havais Ba'emtza. That you need to make the Tzvillin in the order of Rabbeinu Tam. So, how could you say, Rambam, that you, that you, have, that you have to put the Tzvillin like the order? Again, I'll just use Rashi Rabbeinu Tam because that's the, the terms we're familiar with. How could you say, Rambam, that you have to put on Tzvillin like Rashi, Rabbeinu Hai? He says that you, he said that you have to put on Tzvillin like Rabbeinu Tam. So the Rambam wrote back to them, and he says like this. <coughs> stuff. He says, um, this order of the Tzvillin that you are claiming um, to put them like Rabbeinu Tam, he says, the Tzvillin that I had in the West were like that. When the Rambam says West, he means Spain, because that's where he, he lived in Egypt and in Israel, and he came from Spain. So when I lived in Spain, I had tefillin like Rabbeinu Tam. I, the Rambam, right, again, the Rambam has just ruled in his Yad HaZokah that if you put on, if you change the order of the tefillin the way Rashi says it, it's not kosher. It's not kosher. If you change the order, it's not kosher. Says the Rambam, I myself, in my youth in Spain, used to wear tefillin like Rabbeinu Tam. And he says, um, um, so to somebody, some very prominent person, Ramosha from Kurtova, um, who wrote, 
um, a, 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 um, he wrote a compilation of the laws of Tzfilin. It says here that his name was Ramosha by Maimon. Nowadays they say that's a mistake. Whatever it was, there was a Ramosha who was an important authority over there. And he says it was that uh, book on the laws of Tzfilin written by this Ramosha in Kortova, which made me mistake, which, mis- which misled me and misled all of the people in Spain um, before me. And even Rabbi Yitzchak, which refers to the Rif, um, also, a blessed memory, he also um, followed that opinion of Ramosha to make the tefillin of Rabbi Natam. And he says there was also somebody by the name of Rabbi Yaakov Kelly who also did like Rabbi Natam. However, many disagree with this. And all of the people of the East, meaning all the people in Israel, uh, and all the people of the East, and even including all the people in Israel, disagree with this. And they say that the trustworthy or reliable sages opened the tefillin of Rav Hai, and they <laughs> were written according to the order that I said it, that the Ramam says, like Rashi. And Ramosh Dari himself, when he came from Spain to Israel, he also had tefillin like the people of your place, like Rabbi Natam. And when he came to Israel, we showed him the words of the earlier Goenim, and he discarded his tefillin, and he changed them to be according to the order of Rashi. So what's fascinating about this is, is that we have a person by the name of Ramosha, some from Kortoba, who somehow um, misled um, all the people in Spain to be wearing tefillin like Rabbeinu Tam. But in the East, and in Israel and in Mitzrayim, it was demonstrated um, convincingly um, that actually Rashi is the correct order of the tefillin. And, um, and and people who came from the West, from Spain to Israel actually changed. So that's one fascinating thing. The other fascinating thing is that we have, uh, like we say, Machlekes and Metzias. The the the, the they said that Rabbi Nohais told them to wear tefillin like Tam, and the Rambam is telling them that actually um, some very trustworthy sages opened the tefillin of Rabbi Haigoyen, and they were like Rashi. So, I mean, all the was a high wearing tefillin like Rashi? Was he wearing tefillin like Rabbi Natan? <clears throat> so, whoops. Now, in case that's not enough, last week we learned the opinion of the Ravid, and the Ravid is the same as Rabbi Natan, but backwards, right? Rabbi Natan says the right is the right of the person standing opposite me. The Ravid says the right is my own right. So. If you will, Rabbeinu Tam is one, two, four, three, and Ravid is three, four, two, one. Um, and the Ravid starts off by saying, So the Ravid attributes his opinion also to Rabbeinu Haim. So we have three opinions as to the order of the Tzvillin. We spoke about the Shumashi Rabbah last week, which is the fourth opinion, which we'll get to soon. But at least three of the opinions are all attributing their opinion according to Rabbeinu Tam, to Rav Haigun. Now, one of the, like we discussed last time, one of the very important uh, sources which elaborate on this whole uh, issue at, at great length is the Chuva of Rama Mipano, Ramanadachim Azari Mipano, we spoke about him last week in Italy. Um, and he, so he has a very lengthy Chuva about this. And, and here's one section where he says it is very um, probable to me that Rabbeinu Hai also had the same suffix, the same doubt as to what, how, what the correct way to place its tefillin is. Um, Rabbeinu Hai had the same doubt, and therefore he had tefillin like all of the opinions, and because all of them are legitimate ways of explaining the Gemara. And therefore, different people opened his tefillin and testified to different findings, because they were both true. One person opened his Rashi tefillin, and this is before Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam were born, but one person opened his Rashi tefillin, and one person opened his Rabbeinu Tam tzulin, and they both they both testified the truth they, that they opened this tzulin, and they found it in that according to that opinion. Alternatively, he said it could be that he that he changed his mind that in his youth he wore it like one way, like the Rambam says that he changed. So um, in his youth he did one way, and in his um, elderly years he did another way. Anyway, um, so that's what uh, uh, the Rambam Panu says about Rabbeinu Hai. Now we saw already before that the Migdalois also says that the Bali Hatoisus already agreed that everybody. Um, we should wear two pairs of, of tefillin. Now, something that we touched upon briefly last week 
was how does such machlokes come to be? Um, right? How does such machlokes come to be? It's so. One example we spoke of last week was how could it be that they didn't? There's a masofik in the Gemara. What to do about erev Pesach Shachal B'Shabbos? Are you allowed to bring the Karim Pesach when it falls on Shabbos? Which is something that there's a maximum of I think 14 or 20 years. That could be obviously people would remember. Um, another, another, another famous suffix which the which the Paskim struggle with is blowing shofar. We know that the Torah says you have to blow tkia and then a trua and then a tkia. But what does trua mean? Does trua mean what we call trua? What, what does the Torah mean when it says trua? It doesn't mean what we mean when we say trua, which is tu 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 tu, or does it mean what we say shvar and that we do tu tu tu? <coughs> so because of this doubt, um, because of this doubt, um, because of this doubt, Rabbi Vohu, the Gemara says that Rabbi Vohu instituted that we should do both, which is how we get to the way, the custom that we blow Shev today. So there also, the Paskim uh, grapple with this. How is it possible from not to remember from year to year how you blow Shev? How does such a thing come to be? Now, the question of Rashi ben Tamsulin is even more perplexing than a suffix and how to blow Shoifer, because um, Rabbeinu Tam is not just your memory, the order of the parish is not just your memory, it's an actual tangible physical object that you could open up and check what's going on inside. And indeed, for many years, um, one of the strong opinion, one of the strong, quote, proofs um, for the opinion of Rashi was, like we said before, that um, at the grave of Yechazkel, they found Tefillin in accordance with the opinion of Rashi. However, more recently, and that's weird. There we go. Um, it says this is um, this is quoting from Rebbe Magalias's notes to the response from heaven, and he says that recently it was found in caves in Eretz Yisrael, very old, from the time of Bayis Sheni, um, and around that time, that they were found filling from the they found filling that belonged to the soldiers of Bar Kokhba, from the Bar Kokhba revolt. And over there, the parishes were found in the order of Rabbi Natan. Now, I don't know, Yechazkel Anovi was between the destruction of the first and second temples. This is, Bar Kokhba was after the second temple. Um, I don't know, yeah, so, so it's, it's later than Yechazkel Anovi, but what's certainly true is that we find old Tzulin in the accordance with Rabbi Natan, with Rabbi Natan many, many centuries before Rabbeinu Tam came about. Um, so, uh, he also brings here that Rabbeinu Haigarin wore two pairs of tefillin, and he quotes here Rabbeinu Hai's com- commentary to Mishnayis Kalin. Now, I looked it up. Now, I- I'm not sure why, Rabbeinu Margalias, we've spoken about him a number of times, he's an absolute genius, and I'm not sure what his reference, what, what, what he wants to bring proof from there, but it's just interesting to note that in, over there, it's talking about tefillin, parenthetically, and Rabbi Nahai says that you have the four paragraphs of Tefillin, and he says them in an order that doesn't fit any of the opinions. Now, he's not telling you how to make Tefillin, he just says there are four paragraphs in the Tefillin, and he says, he says three, four, one, two. Um, so, I, I, I'm not sure why Rabbi Magolis is quoting that here, if maybe he's trying to say that um, he deliberately put them out of order so that you shouldn't be able to infer that he holds one way or the other because he held both. I'm not sure. But either way, we find archaeological evidence for both opinions, very ancient archaeological evidence. Now, the truth is that already in the, there's a between the Bach and the Drisha, whether you can bring any proof from archaeological findings of Tefillin, because, you see, because whichever Tefillin you hold or kosher, if you find the other one in, in, in buried, you can say, well, they, that's why they were buried, because they weren't kosher, because they were found to, they were in the wrong order. So that's really, you can go back about that, I don't know, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, now, um, <clears throat> what's interesting to note, however, is that even though, okay, so the Migdalois, the Migdalois himself, who we spoke before, that the Migdalois says that this Machlikas Rabbein Tam and Rashi, is something which is, uh, you know, and already in heaven, this is the, the sort of fundamental unanswerable question because it's a, a question at all levels and all realms of reality. 
of 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 of, of the worlds, etc. The same Migdalois um, when he addresses the question about Shoifer, how could it be that there became a doubt um, with the Shoifer, which the Rambam, the Rambam explicitly says that because of the many years of exile, there became a doubt as to what the real way to go Shoifer is. The Migdalois and the Rambam doesn't like that, and he quotes Rav Haigoy, the same Rav Haigoy who, now, who, the, who, is, who was saying perhaps he himself wore Rashi and Ben Atamtulin because of a doubt, ostensibly, um, when it came to Shreifer, Rabbi Nahai rejects the notion that there was any doubt. And Rabbi Nahai says that when it comes to Shreifer, that both of them are legitimate. There are two legitimate approaches to Teruah. One is tu 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 one is tu 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 what we call Shvarim and Teruah. So if, if they're both legitimate, what was um, Rabbi Voho doing in instituting that we do both? So basically, it's a, it's, it's a, long, a lengthy piece, but the upshot of Rabbi Nahai's approach over there is that that um, that Rabbi Voh didn't want it to appear, you know, different communities had different customs and they came together and he was doing this and he was doing this. It didn't look good for the Jews that different people were doing different things and he wanted to create uniformity. And so he created, let's make this uniform, we'll do both and then everybody will be happy and that's it, we'll do both. But Rabbi Nahai rejects the notion um, and the Migdalois ex- quotes Rabbi Nahai, and he accepts it so strongly that he even wants to suggest that the Rambam himself, the Rambam explicitly writes that the, because of the length of the years of Golis, we forgot how to do, we, we, it was, became about a doubt how to do Teruah. And the Rabbi Nahai is so not accepting of that possibility that it's possible to forget how to do Teruah that he tries to insert the opinion of Rabbi Nahai into the Rambam. Right? And that same Migdaloyz and Rabbi Nahai the Migdalois explicitly says that you should wear two pairs of tefillin. And Rabbi Nahai doesn't say it explicitly, but we see that many uh, great Jewish uh, writers attribute this to Rabbi Nahai, that he wore two pairs of tefillin, or possibly even three pairs if you accept the Ravid's uh, approach, right? And so... He wore them at the same time? Either at the same time or one after each other. Three boxes on his arm, or they're all... They're- no, not in the same box. It would be three separate fillings, but either he wore them two at a time, or perhaps even three at a time, or like we do, we take off Rashi and we put it over his arms, right? Um, you can't have more than four in the same box. That would be that would be not valid according to any opinion. Um, okay, so last week we dis- we, we mentioned the Rebbe's uh, novel idea that this Machloikas goes back all the way to Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moshe Rabbeinu came and said, let's put on, we have to put on fillings. There's a, by the way, there's another whole discussion of when did the mitzvah of tefillin started, because the mitzvah of tefillin, the word tefillin means four. So tefillin is by definition four paragraphs, but some of those paragraphs were only given in Deuteronomy right before the end of Israel. So was there even the notion of wearing tefillin in the desert, or did that mitzvah only start when they went, once they went into Israel? But be that as it may, the rabbi suggesting that the machmeikas as to the order of the tefillin goes back all the way to, 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 to then. And, and from that level, if Moshe doesn't receive it explicitly from God, his opinion is equally as legitimate as anybody else's opinion, as long as you are using the methodology, the 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 the, 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 the rules that Torah provides. Torah provides, like we say, you gimel midas the thirteen attributes with which we apply the laws of the Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu can apply them. Yeshua ben Nun can apply them. Anybody else can apply them. Not the same as the Rebbe's idea, but similar. We find that Rabbi uh, Magdalias and other great people here suggesting that. Um, that Moshe Rabbeinu told them to do both. That there was Moshe Rabbeinu told them what's the main opinion. He said, this is how you have to do it. But there's also value, like we see the Bingdaloi saying that this, that, that this is a machlokus already in heaven. So Moshe Rabbeinu told them exactly that. Moshe Rabbeinu told them, look, it's a machlokus in heaven, and therefore this is the main way to do it. Uh, but you, but, but, if, but I, don't know, I don't know if Moshe Rabbeinu told this to everybody, or he only told it to the select few who were... Uh, more holy or more righteous, or whatever the criteria was, that it's also good to do this to do both to do both approaches. Now, then, what happens is over the years, there becomes different opinions as to which one is the primary one. That that you could, once what if you suggest that both orders of the tefillin were in existence way back from Moshe Rabbeinu, then it's very easy to understand how there could become a machlokes um, later on as to which one of the two is the primary and which one is the one that you do just to be extra better. Now, another interesting thing to note is 
that even though from a halachic perspective, or from, if you will, from a nigla perspective, um, this boils down to a machloikas as to how to read the Pshat in the Gemara, and we're even suggesting that this machloikas is before the Pshat in the Gemara, the machloikas is already way back, but essentially it's a machloikas, it's this one or that one. What Abruv Magolis, or what, what some here are suggesting is that this goes way back to Moshe Rabbeinu, what you're suggesting is that actually they're both legitimate. And indeed, Alpi Kabbalah, um, we find uh, in, in the Zohar it says that uh, it, it explains what the the Kabbalistic significance of both of the different opinions. And then it says that some people wear two to fill in out of a place of doubt, but they don't know that really it's not a doubt, it's because both are necessary. And it's interesting to note <laughs> that the Zohar says a similar thing with regards to blowing shofar. That the differences between shvarim and trua. I mean, now I think it's out. Nobody, nobody thinks of blowing shofar with Rabbeinu Tams. At the end of the day, we make a bracha on Rashi. We don't make a bracha on Rabbeinu Tam. Rashi is the primary one. When it comes to shofar, nobody says that one is more primary than the other. We have to blow shofar. He's going to bavol because sorry, it's at the front of the Gemara that you have to do shvarim and trua. But the Zohar says that it's not the way the Gemara presents it. It's like it's a doubt. Uh, we don't know which is the shvarim and which is, which is the thing. But according to the Zoya, both with regards to the question of Rashi versus Rabbeinu Tam Tfilin and with regards to shvarim versus Trua, the, the Alpi Kabbalah, they both have significance and they are both, quote, necessary. Um, I'm sorry, this idea that, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu himself uh, told them the both opinions is attributed here to Rabbi Viyad Sar Sholem. I don't know who that is, but that's who he attributes it to. Now, last week, we discussed the opinion of the Shemushi Rabbah, which is basically the same as Rashi, but again, the perspective of right being my own perspective, not that of the one next to me, opposite me. So according to Rashi, we would say it's one, two, three, four. According to Shemushi Rabbah, it's four, three, two, one. Now, the truth is that throughout the generations, the Shemushi Rabbah was not considered to be an additional opinion. And in any, and there are numerous references to this that any... Any place where you see anybody talking about the tefillin of Shemushi Rabbah, they were referring to the size. If you remember, we discussed last week that the Shemushi Rabbah held that the tefillin had to be uh, bigger to what we call four centimeters by four centimeters. People talking about the Shemushi Rabbah are taught in earlier generations, are talking about the size of the tefillin, not of the order of the parashiyah. So there are three opinions of the order of the parishes that are explicit in the Rishonim. We have Rashi, and like we said before, the Rambam, and numerous others that go on that opinion. Rabbeinu Tam, and numerous that go on that opinion. And then we have the Shittas Yachid, the Rivet, who is the only one who says, like Rabbeinu Tam, but backwards. But that's explicit in the Rivet. He says that explicitly, you go from your Min HaManiach from my own right side. The Shemesh Rabbah, which is like Rashi, but my own right side, is not explicit. In the Shemushi Rabbah itself, the way it's quoted in the Rosh that we saw last week, there are different opinions how to read it, and we saw already in the Rosh himself, he brings from the Rabbah of Barcelona that there's a typo in there, perhaps even two typos in there. So and there's no clear reference that Shemushi Rabbah is a fourth opinion um, in earlier generations. The first one to do so is, like we spoke last week, of the Ramamipano and his very long Teshuvah, and he goes through the words of the Rosh, upper back, he demonstrates there's much literature, contemporary even on this, to, to demonstrate, the, 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 to prove the opinion that Rabbi Shemushi Rabbah is a fourth opinion. And he says as follows, I will not be silent, but I, I will not refrain from testifying. That which has testified before me, the very professional and trustworthy scribe, who we rely on in all matters of fixing tefillin and in all matters of Kedusha, Sefer, Mezuzah, that many years ago he opened very, very old tefillin to check them, and he found them. The parishes were written, were, were placed in the order of the Shemushi Rabbah, um, in other words, right, what we're calling 4321. And this surfer told me that he disqualified them because he says, Wasepas, no, there's no such opinion. This is not a kosher pair of tefillin. Um, and he said, and the Raman partner says, I myself also saw, saw after many years that. Um, that I found very old, worn-out tefillin in Genesis and, you know, in, in buried or whatever. Not one, not two, but many tefillin whose parishes were ordered in this opinion 
of Rosh Hashanah four three two one, and therefore I have established that this is indeed a one of the uh, this is indeed a fourth opinion that they still have to be in that way. Now it's interesting that he says that the Sefer disqualified them because it was no good because it was four three two one instead of one two three four. Elsewhere in this same shuvah, the Ramam Pano argues that if you put on tefillin backwards, it's kosher. So, the, so even though we do Rashi and Amir Tam tefillin, when we do Rashi, we're also b'diyeved, fulfilling the obligation according to Shimon Shirabba. Because even if you hold it supposed to be 4, 3, 2, 1, if you do 1, 2, 3, 4, it's kosher b'diyeved. And even if you hold it supposed to be 1, 2, 4, 3, if you do 4, 3, 2, 1, it's also good, right? If it's just backwards, it's okay b'diyeved. Anyway, so this is the Shimon Shirabba's opinion. And uh, the way that Imam Pano is, and indeed in later generations, and certainly amongst the Chabad Rebbeim, it is uh, the, the Tzemach Tzedek, the children of the Tzemach Tzedek testified that he wore the four pairs of tefillin. Again, the, the hand one is the same. It's just the head one that's flipped around. And it was accepted that amongst many G'dayla Yisrael, including amongst the Rebbeim of Chabad, that the Shemushi Rabbah constitutes a fourth opinion as to the order of tefillin. Okay, let's look, just look at the Halacha Lamaisa. Um, this is from quoting from the Alter Rebbe Shukhanach. Concerning the owner of these passages, there is an ancient difference of opinion amongst the Go'enim. You see, the Alter Rebbe doesn't say amongst Rashi Rabbein Atam, which is the Rishonim. This is the Alter Rebbe himself attributes it to the Go'enim um, of the early generations, and he says it was perpetuated by Rashi Rabbein Atam. Now, the, the slideshow shouldn't mislead you. There's a whole long Sif Gimel here, which I skipped. And then the Alter Rebbe rules as follows. The Halacha rules according to Rashi and those who subscribe to his view. And indeed, universal practice follows his view. Nevertheless, Time, and those who subscribe to his view consider these tefillin as invalid according to scriptural law, and hence, according to this view, a person who puts on only such tefillin, only Rashi's tefillin, will have lived his entire life without having fulfilled the mitzvah of tefillin. Every God-fearing person should therefore endeavor to discharge his obligation according to both views. Nevertheless, not everyone who desires to manifest spiritual distinction is permitted to do so. In a place where one's conduct will be seen by others, uh, sorry, um, Right. In a place where one's conduct will be seen by others, only a person whose pious conduct is commonly accepted and known should observe this practice. Um, since it's universal custom to only wear Rashi tefillin, if a person does not have such a reputation, undertakes a stringency, he appears to be um, pretentious unless he is similarly stringent in other areas. Now, I'll just add that these type of things, which is known in halacha as yuhara, as, um, as you know, pretentious, holier than thou, are very subjective because it depends on the and the and the community and the time. If you live in a time where wearing Ben Thomas tefillin has become more common, so then it's no longer pretentious to do so. We find a similar thing that in the writings of Rabbi Avram Ben Arambam, the son of the Rambam, he writes that it's it's yuhara and it's not recommended to wear tzitzis the whole day. If you're a holy person who does lots of mitzvahs all the time, then you can wear tzitzis all the time. But uh, stand for a regular person to wear tzitzis all the time, that's uh, not appropriate. Whereas nowadays, um, it's common practice for everybody to wear tzitzis the whole time, to the extent that Moshe Feinstein argues that nowadays one is actually obligated to wear tzitzis the entire time, which is not the discussion for now, but I'm just demonstrating precedence from the notion that um, what is considered yuhara um, can change over time. Um, if we look in the footnote over here, in, the, in this edition of Al-Tareb Shukhanarach, it says like this, the mystical tradition of the Kabbalah distinguishes between the diverse spiritual influences that are elicited respectively by the Tulan of Rashi and Amen Atam, and similarly of Shemushirabba and Ravid, and since the influences elicited by the Tulan of Rashi are most essential, wearing such Tulan is an obligation for every Jew, and since those elicited by Ben Tulan and Amen Atam are also significant, the directive of the Al-Tareb has long been widely observed that every Jew whose heart has been touched by the fear of Hashem should put on the Tulan of Rabbeinu Tam. This directive does not apply to the Tulan of Shemusha and Rabbah and Ravid, because their subtle spiritual dynamics are attuned only to individuals with an exceptional degree of bodily purity. Okay. Um, now, so let's just finish off with a few minutes discussing the Rebbe's directives of this regard. So until the early or the mid-70s, the practice in Chabad was that once a person reached of age, usually it was around 18, could have been a little bit earlier or later, they would ask the rabbi, is it time for me to start wearing Ben Thomas to fill in? And um, usually the rabbi would say yes, sometimes the rabbi would say no, sometimes the rabbi would say to wait a year, sometimes the rabbi would stipulate it upon, if you're careful to wear and feel as Ezra, you're careful to immerse in a mikvah after any time you have a seminal emission um, and other similar, similar, Non, certainly non-dogmatic 
approaches. And this is not unique to Chabad. Amongst most Chassidim who do wear a Benatamist villain, but a few of them wear it from their Bar Mitzvah. Usually it's from when they turn 18 or from when they get married or from when a year after they get married. Um, different opinions. However, in Purim, this time of the year, Purim Tashin Lamidvav, 1976, the Rebbe um, initiated the, I don't know if campaign is the right word, but the Rebbe initiated the idea that everyone um, should wear a Benatamist villain from the age of Bar Mitzvah or even from two months before the Bar Mitzvah when you start practicing. And the Rebbe essentially said um, two primary reasons. Now, we have to remember that the, the reasons that the Rebbe said didn't start in 1976. Those reasons would have been equally as applicable in 1975. So why the Rebbe sees it appropriate to initiate such a thing only in the 70s, whereas in the 60s, when he was asked if people should wear Ben Thompsonville and he said, wait another year or whatever it is, that we don't know. That's the the, the that's the Rebbe. That's the Rebbe's the Rebbe. That's why he's the Rebbe, not me, right? <laughs> but but nevertheless, the, the the reasons that the Rebbe presented were primarily two things. Number one, that because many and specifically from the Kabbalistic school um, say that it's absolutely integral for everyone to wear a Benetamist tefillin, so therefore we ought to do so. And second of all, that because the 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 the, 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 the accomplishment of tefillin is to restrain our tithes, to restrain our indulgences and inclinations, etc. Um, to harness them into the service of Hashem. So as the, the darkness and the distractions of this world uh, scientifically and, and, and in other areas become more compelling, so we need to add more light to combat that, and therefore adding more light in the area of Shibut Alev HaMoyach um, is with wearing a Benetamist Tamasulin. And the Rebbe also quoted then from others for him that this time the Rebbe writes in the Siddur that it's a custom to wear a Benetamist Tamasulin after davening, doesn't mean that wearing a Benetamist Tamasulin is only a custom. A Benetamist Tamasulin is a must. The custom is to wear it after davening because there's an alternative custom to wear it during davening, like we mentioned before, this Friday we'll wear two pairs of Tzulin, um simultaneously. Um, Anyway, this is something which the Rebbe pushed very strongly, that, the, that everyone should nowadays, it's necessary for, to combat the darkness that we face in the world this day. Today, nowadays, it's necessary for everyone to wear Rabbeinu Tam's tefillin. Now, I'll finish off with an interesting story um, uh, with the Rebbe and Ramosha Feinstein. This is a truth of Ramosha Feinstein that's published in Igris Moshe Chelek Vav, Erechaim Simentes. You can see it's dated Erev Shabbos Shkolem, so that's this week, in Tosh Mem, 1980, and it's written addressed to the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And um, basically, this is, I'm not sure what, uh, it's interesting that you ask, because there's a story that I once heard that somebody was in Yechidus by the Rebbe, and he showed the Rebbe that he always carries around with him in his wallet a picture of the Rebbe and a picture of Ramesh Feinstein. So the Rebbe smiled, and the Rebbe said, "I've been and them for and I'm happy to have him as a neighbor." <laughs> so, anyway, but no, but Rabbi Feinstein had a very close. Uh, the Rebbe and Rabbi Feinstein had a close relationship in many ways, and uh, actually, in the introduction to Igros Moshe, Volume Eight or Nine, which was published posthumously, they write about um, how the Rebbe often referred Shilas to Rabbi Feinstein. There's actually on the videos a number of things in that regard. Anyway, so. I don't know exactly what happened in 1980, but there was it's something to do with an individual by the name of, I believe, Rabbi Spritzer, who had the connection to Ramosha Feinstein, and he decided to um, speak to Ramosha Feinstein based upon the Rebbe's uh, enthusiasm and people wearing a Benet Thomas um about Ramosha Feinstein himself wearing a Benet Thomas Tullin. And the object, long, long, short story is like this. Ramosha Feinstein tells that you can see here when I was in Luban. Luban is the city in Russia where he lived before he came to America. He says, I used to have a Benet Thomas which were very mahuda, they were very beautiful, and I used to wear them every day after davening, but I can made this, I stipulated that this would be Bolinator, so it's to be without a commitment. And he goes on to say that basically, when it comes to Rashi Tullin, so of course we try our best to have the most beautiful Rashi Tullin possible, but, um, but if, you, if all you have is something which is not beautiful and has many, even if it has many problems with it, you're obligated to wear Rashi Tulin, so you do the best you got. Whereas Rebbeinatam is a Chumrah. It's not a must. So because it's merely a Chumrah, um, I'm only going to do it if I have it the best way possible. That was his approach. And he says that he, you know, he found 
very difficult to find the Rabbeinu Tamsundan according to his uh, preference here in America. And he says, I think that he did one time in America have the Rabbeinu Tamsundan a little bit, and then they, you know, they, 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 they got ruined. You know, they weren't. Don't forget, nowadays our tefillin are very sturdy because they're made from the, uh, they're usually made from gases, which means the hide of cows. The olden days they made tefillin from dachas, from the hide of sheep, and they were very, they, they, they didn't last. You know, they lasted a few years and then you had to change them. Uh, anyway, and he goes on a very lengthy tshuva to, to, um, there's a very lengthy tshuva where he goes on to describe, uh, it's, it's a long pilpul where he has a number of things that he didn't like about, that, that he couldn't find Rabbeinu Tamsulin in America to be written in accordance with his preference. He had a whole pilpul about in Rabbeinu Tamsulin exactly what the space should be between Vahoyam Shemaya and Vahoyam and, and, and Shema. Um, that was one thing. Another thing, it appears that he wanted the Ksav of the Beisosif. So we know there's the Ksav, the font of the Beisosif, and there's the font of the Arizal, and we also have the font of the Alter Rebbe. But primarily, the two common Ksavim amongst Ashkenazic Jews are the Beisosif and the Arizal. Now, the Beisosif is what's used by the non-Chassidim, the Arizal is used by the Chassidim. Now, Moshe Feinstein himself, even though he writes explicitly that all of the different fonts are kosher, but it's important, he says, to be consistent. So I, Moshe Feinstein, as not being a chassid, have all my, you know, sefetorium, mezuzahs, everything, uh, my rashi tulin, in accordance with the uh, with the font of the Beis Yosef. So if I'm going to wear a Ben Thomas tulin, they need to be in accordance with the font of the Beis Yosef. Now, those are difficult to come by unless you make them custom-made, because the people who wear a Ben Thomas tulin are chassidim, and chassidim wear rashi, use the Arizal Ksav. So, anyway, the long, long short story is that the Rebbe arranged for Rabbi Zirkind to... Uh, to write Rabbeinu Tamsulin for Rabbi Feinstein, and Rabbi Zirkind, um, Rabbi Feinstein had very particular requirements of him, and he says he in the interview he told he wrote that usually when he wrote for the Rabbi Zirkind passed away already, but he was perhaps the senior cipher of Karnites and perhaps even the Rabbi's personal cipher. He has a number of grandchildren living in Chicago actually, um, and he. Uh, he, his custom was that he would write Tefillin from beginning to end without any interruption whenever he wrote Tefillin. But Ramosha Feinstein didn't want him to do that. Ramosha Feinstein wanted him every time after he finished writing a paragraph, he should show it to Ramosha to inspect it to make sure it's exactly the way he wants it with the right Ksav and the right spaces. And I don't know what else he was looking for. And he had certain requirements at the bottom of the Tefillin, whatever it was. But basically, at the end of the day, he arranged for um, Rabbeinu Tam Tfilin to be written according to Ramosha's specifications. And this letter that's published in Nugus Moshe is a letter where Ramosha Feinstein is thanking the Rebbe for uh, enabling him to do this mitzvah of Tfilin in the best possible way, to even do the mitzvah of Rabbeinu Tam Tfilin. And my understanding is that indeed till the, for the end of his life, so from 1980 till I think he passed in 85, um, perhaps 86, 85, I think 85, or maybe 86. Um, also, this time of the year, actually, so he passed away on Tana Sester, I think. So, for exactly five years, uh, um, Ramesh Feinstein wore, um, wore those Rabbeinu Tamsulin every day, which were arranged for, by the Rebbe to be written in according to the specifications of Ramesh Feinstein.